Well, it's so good to be with you together today, and I want to invite you, if you have a copy of the scriptures with you, or if you follow along with us on your smartphone, wherever you may be joining us today, I want to invite you to join us in the book of Acts in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2. And while you're turning there, let me share with you a conviction that I have personally. It is my personal opinion that there are two types of people in this world. There are those who love the Hallmark Channel, and there are those who absolutely can't stand the Hallmark Channel. Now, this is non-scientific research, and you may feel I'm off based on this, but I will tell you I am in that latter category. The Hallmark Channel is not my favorite channel to sit down and spend just a little bit of free time watching and absorbing. But I will tell you that it is one of my wife's favorite pastimes. And this being the first couple of weeks of October, can you believe? It is only about 10 weeks away from Christmas. And so slowly but surely, the Hallmark Channel is finding its way more and more often onto televisions in different rooms throughout our home. You know, one of the things about being raised and immersed, many of us who have grown up in North America and in a Western culture, is that we have been socialized to think individualistically. That being, we often think about what we want for personal fulfillment more than what someone else might want, even someone close to us. That's why, case in point, when the Hallmark Channel is turned on and Amy says, let's watch a movie together, my flesh and my desire is to get up and leave the room and go watch something I'd rather be doing. Now, at a minimum, that probably makes me a bad husband. And not only that, but my wife's love language is spending quality time with one another. So that is a different sermon for a different time. But I'm guessing I'm not the only one who often thinks about what is my preference, what will lead to my fulfillment. You know, what's interesting about that is scripture paints a completely different picture of what we should pursue and what our hearts should long for as a people. Yes, God cares about our individual pursuits. There's no doubt about that. But scripture places just as much priority on what is best for others that are in our lives, whether that's family, whether that's friends, or whether that's even the local church. And that's why we want to make sure you understand that one of our primary goals as a church is for every member to be in a group with other followers of Christ. And that's exactly what Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 remind us about. So wherever you're joining us today, would you stand with me in honor of God's word? And let's read this together. The Bible says that they, that's the local church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and their property, and they distributed the proceeds to everyone as anyone might have had need. Every day the church continued devoting themselves to meeting together in the temple 
and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with glad or joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The local church, the first church, gathered consistently, daily and weekly, for the purpose of pursuing Jesus together. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for eternal new life in Jesus Christ. We, we can never repay you or tell you enough how grateful we are for that. But it is clear and it is evident in this text and throughout the New Testament that you intend for your church, us as individuals, not only to know you personally, but to invest our lives in one another. We pray that you would quicken the hearts of your people, that each of us would be compelled to take a next step to become more connected to one another so that we can see Christ formed in us as a people and that a watching and observing world will be attracted to that and thereby pointed to you for salvation. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, your son and our savior, and all of God's people said, amen, amen. Well, I have a dear friend who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Her name is Jamie. And when Jamie was living in New York City, she was invited by a friend to go to a Christian revival or a concert type setting where the gospel of Jesus was going to be preached and proclaimed. And she shared with me that when she heard that gospel message, she responded. There was an invitation given to come forward and meet one of the pastors or one of the leaders at the conference if you wanted to follow Jesus Christ. And she did that on a Saturday night. She went on to tell me that what they did was that they connected her to a church the very next morning. In less than 24 hours, she was invited and welcomed into a church. As daunting and as overwhelming as that would be for anyone who is taking a bold step to get connected to the person of Jesus and to the local church, they welcomed her, they loved her, they offered her relationship. What a success story about the local church, the way it should work, right? One of the things she went on to tell me is that as she moved from New York City, as she got married, and then as she started her family and moved to different geographic areas of the country, she was surprised and even somewhat shocked that many of the churches that she walked in the front door did not have a strategy. There was no intentional pathway to get connected to other people, not only on Sunday mornings, but outside the Sunday morning gathering. Now, you and I intuitively know that most likely happens in many churches. Not that we try to, but many people will often attend on a Sunday. Maybe you are a Sunday or weekly worship attender only, but that's not how God designed it to be. And matter of fact, we see here in the text that one of the things God intends is for us as a people, not only to know him and to gather corporately on the first day of the week, but to be gathered together and connected relationally to one another outside of Sunday morning. Almost every time the word church, the Greek word is ekklesia, almost every time the word church is used in the New Testament, 
It refers to an ongoing gathering. Yes, Sunday morning, but an ongoing daily, if not at a minimum, weekly gathering of the born-again followers of Jesus Christ. People who are intimately and relationally connected in small environments. One of the things that happened right before this passage is that Peter, a follower of Jesus, was preaching the gospel. In very similar fashion, he was preaching to a large group. There were 3,000 people, the Bible tells us, that were gathered together. And Peter said, repent, turn from yourself and trust Jesus Christ. Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And the Bible says that 3,000 people responded. They were convicted of their sin. They longed to turn from sin and self and turn towards Christ. Now, the invitation from Peter was individual. The reason he said, each of you, each of us, is because every one of us needs to respond however we choose to respond personally. Salvation is a personal, individual decision. And every one of us, when we meet God, that day's coming for all of us. We will meet him, not in a huge receiving line, not in a huge crowd, but we will meet him face to face, one-on-one with our creator, the person who loves us most and knows us best. And so that's why the invitation was individual. That's why it is for us today. But notice that this group, this group of nearly 3,000 individuals were not content with just knowing Jesus, just being saved and receiving salvation. The Bible tells us, we just read verse 42, they, the local church, this gathered group of Christ followers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Verse 46 says, every day, here it is again, they devoted themselves to one another. The sermon passage that we examined last week from Acts 5.42 says the same thing. Every day in the temple courts and in various homes, the local church continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. There are two clear marks or characteristics of the local church that jump out to us from this text that you and I need to be aware of and never forget, and they are emphasized all throughout the New Testament. The first is this, that the local church met consistently together outside of the Sunday morning gathering. They met consistently. It says they were devoted. I'm sure they were devoted when they gathered in large groups. But it's hard to be devoted and to be known as a group who are devoted to one another just meeting once a week. They met consistently together outside of Sunday morning. That is a rhythm that God has established for you and I to be connected to one another outside of Sunday morning. And the second characteristic of the second mark of the New Testament church is that they met in small groups or communities that were more scalable and conducive to getting together in homes with one another. It's hard to get 3,000 people together every time you want to get together. Now, how many of us struggle to get all of our calendars lined up just to get a couple of friends together? The Bible says they met every day. They met weekly. They met consistently. And they met in small, scalable groups, environments where relationships could grow. That's God's design for the local church. He has designed us to exist and gather, yes, on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. It's biblical, and that's why as a church, our desire, one of our primary objectives is that every member of this church 
be connected to a small group. We want every member in a group because it's biblical and that's God's design for us. But over and above that, let me tell you the reality of it. The reality is that it is in the context of small group biblical community where relationships can flourish and life on life happens that you and I truly begin to grow to become who Christ has intended us to be. It's in the context of small group biblical community relationships week in and week out where we maximize our kingdom potential and that desire for us individually to grow and to do well begins to take shape, but it also begins to impact others. And we have an opportunity to invest in the lives of others to watch them flourish as well. You know, several months ago, I came home from work and I walked in the back door and when I stepped into the kitchen, my 12 year old son was making dinner. Now, one of the things I love about him is that he loves to cook. He did not learn that from me. I have not taught him how to do that, but he was making spaghetti. He was making dinner. He was heating the sauce and the noodles on the stove and he began going around taking orders, if you will. Do do you want spaghetti tonight? Do you want spaghetti tonight? He began to ask every member of our family. And I sat back in amazement. First of all, thinking, is that, like, who is this child that would serve and cook dinner without being asked to? That in and of itself is a miracle. But probably more so the reality that when I was 12, I was more concerned selfishly with feeding me and heating up a hot pocket in the microwave to the right degree so that it would not be frozen in the center when I sunk my teeth into it. That made me thrilled that he was cooking spaghetti and offering it to the family. But as I stood there in the kitchen, there was something that came into my head and my heart that had been invested there in small group community, in life-on-life relationships over a decade ago. I am in community with several men within our local church family. And one of those men who is about 10 years older than me, he has lived longer than me, he's walked longer with Christ than me. He told me, listen, one of the great privileges of being a parent, Aaron, is that as you see God shape the character of your children, the next generation, as you see them become more like Christ, one of the great privileges you have is to call that out in them, is to tell them that you see the character of Christ being formed in them. Because often, as we know, teenagers, children, the next generation, they can't see that taking place. They need that edification. They need that encouragement. And so one of the things I did when dinner was over and the pots and the pans and the plates were in the sink and in the dishwasher, I I pulled our son aside and I told him, that is the character of Christ coming out of you. He didn't think that was a big deal and he wasn't really focused on that. But I said, to give yourself away in service and love to others is the way of Jesus. And one day, son, that is gonna cause you to be a godly husband, to prepare dinner when your wife has worked very hard. And one of the ways you can minister to her when she walks through the door is to serve her and bless her. It's gonna cause you to be a godly father in a way where you can serve and bless and minister to your family one day in, in years ahead that you can't even imagine. He, he really didn't wanna talk about those things, but it was my privilege and responsibility to share with him how I see the character of Christ being shaped in him. Now that doesn't mean that I'm a great dad. I don't tell you that story for that purpose, but it was because someone else in the context of community taught me that so that I could grow as a father and I could pour into him and he could flourish as a child and as a follower of Jesus. It's in the context of community that we have an opportunity to be surrounded by people who can call out in us the character of Christ that's being shaped in us 
as they see it unfold in ways we can't. Now, how many of us need that encouragement and that edification? I mean, 2020 has been a grind. It's been hard. It's been difficult. But when people that are surrounding us point out how they see Christ at work in us, it builds us up. It fills us with joy and excitement. One of the things that John Piper says is that sanctification, that the growing to become more like Christ in this life, it's a community project. We need each other to become more like Christ and to flourish as individuals. But the New Testament says that my my son was serving others. The New Testament says that we not only are called to serve one another, but all throughout the New Testament, there's a lot of one another's. The Bible says serve one another. We're commanded to offer hospitality to one another. The scripture says that we're to be devoted to one another, to rejoice with one another when good things happen, to weep with one another when difficult, hard things are going on. The Bible tells us to forgive one another, to carry one another's burdens, to love one another, and on and on and on. You know, one of the things that happens when you and I are worship-only attenders, I mean, whether you're in the room or whether you are online, if the only involvement you and I have in the local church is the corporate gathering weekly, we rob ourselves of the opportunity of a community of people coming around us to love us and to serve us, and to carry burdens with us, and to rejoice with us, and to weep with us. Now you tell me what person doesn't flourish and truly grow and do well in life that has this type of community around them. People who want God's best for them. And the reality is that you and I need people around us every week who want God's best for us, so that not only we flourish, But as we grow, we then get to invest and encourage and edify others. John, a follower of Jesus, in his letter, 1 John, says that Jesus laid down his life for us. We also should lay down our lives for others. You know, I mentioned just a moment ago, we're a very individualistic society, and we often prioritize what will bring us personal fulfillment. But when you and I experience consistent biblical community in smaller environments where you can be known and you can be loved and then you can turn around and by that, receiving that type of love, your heart is transformed by the gospel of Christ. You and I, like John said, we want to then offer to others what we've experienced. And the way of Christ is to lay down our lives for others, to invest in them, to want God's best for others. You can't do that unless you are in community with others. And as we do that, not only do we grow and flourish, but others begin to grow and flourish. The best environment for you to grow and become who God has intended you to be is in small group biblical community that meets consistently, if not daily, I know that may sound strange and a bit much for many of us, if not daily, at least weekly. That's why it's important for every member of our church to be in a group. Not because we're legalist and we want you to check the box, but because the good news of Jesus has transformed us in such a way that we live with peace and hope and confidence, and we want to offer that to others. 
And in doing so, as we are transformed and as we flourish as a people, a watching world sees what's happening. I mean, did you notice that in verse 47? The Bible says every day there were people who were brought into the family of God as a result of what was taking place in small group communities. As people watch us love one another, serve one another, care for one another, pray for one another, weep with one another, rejoice with one another, the Lord draws women, men, and children in who want to be part of a community like that. And isn't that the calling of the local church to go and make disciples by sharing Jesus with others? A watching world gets to see that when the local church is connected to one another in relationships. That's why we want everyone in our church to be in a group. So the question I have for us today, the the next step, like what do we do with this truth that we've seen put on display in scripture and throughout the New Testament? The question I have for us is, where do you experience life-giving biblical community? Where do you experience life-giving biblical community? If you're connected to others, then lean in. Whether it's virtually and you do that online with what we're facing as as a culture and as a world, or whether you are comfortable gathering together as many of our groups are doing right now. Lean in and believe in the mission and the purpose of God for us to know one another and love one another and watch our world be transformed as a result of it. But if you're not in a small group of biblical community, you're robbing yourself of the potential to become who God intended you to be. And to be quite honest with you, the church needs what you have to offer to us to help us grow closer to Christ so that a watching world can see the difference that Jesus makes. If you're not in a small group, I want you to text the word groups to the number 623-623. If you're not in a small group, I want you to text the word groups to the number 623-623. I pray that you would faithfully do that and allow us as a church to come alongside you to help you get connected to Christ and to help you get connected to others. That's God's design and it's the best way for you and for all of us to flourish. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the local church. You have been faithful to us. You have not only saved us from our sin and from ourselves, but you have given us eternal life and you've placed us in a community of friends who care for us and want your best for us. I pray that this church family would always live out and pursue the one another's of the New Testament so that we can not only see Christ formed in others and for people to flourish, but so that a watching world can be drawn into the kingdom of God and have their lives changed eternally as a result of what you're doing in us. I pray for the man, woman, teenager, or child who needs to take that step of faith and get connected to a group or biblical community today. Give them the courage and the boldness to do that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen.